This is Getting Past Subtitles. My name is Sean Peel. And I'm DK Lee. And welcome to our final episode of our first of the year. This is like, this is it. We're going off into uh, into the rest. Mr. Park. Mr. Park. So we we decided to do the Park Chun-wook retrospective. And we're we're finishing up with his latest last feature, The Handmaiden. So far, you know, he's working on other stuff. Should be cool. Um, yeah, so last week we watched Lady Vengeance, which kind of wrapped up the whole Vengeance trilogy, which we've been watching up until now. And this one is uh, a bit different. Bit? A like, bit. very different. <laughs> <laughs> Just a smidge different, <laughs> you know? Not your usual Park Chung-wook affair. This is an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. Before I get into it, because like, we're taking such a huge time skip. Like, in his career, you know? Mm. So, like, Lady Vengeance was 2005, right? And now we're in 2016. So, we're almost, like, almost 10 years to the year past. And so, we're actually skipping a lot of projects. So, we skipped three features that he did. Um, and then we landed here. And it's interesting to see, like, his development. Yeah. And, like, what kind of stays the same and what's sort of different. And also just... Mainly, like, story-wise, I think. Just because, like, we've been through the revenge loophole for so long. Mm-hmm. And to see, like, what else interests this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you look at the other films before this, which you did. So you did um, I Miss Cyborg, But That's Okay, Thirst, and then Stoker. Yeah. Like, those are all pretty different films, I believe. Which I haven't seen them, but, like, just genre and such like that. Like, he's, like, bounced around a lot. And even, like, even in medium, because he's done TV shows in between that. You know, and he's produced a lot of other stuff. So he's, like, very varied and very kind of, like, scatterbrained a little bit. But he still does great work. And it's still, like, pretty, I don't know, maybe, like, a little like a little bit of, like, that genre DNA kind of is still there, you know? But with um, this movie, with The Handmaiden, it, like, it feels genre a bit. But there's so many different elements in it. Mm. So many. It, it's a very, like, varied film. It's one of those things where it's, like, when I watch it, um, and I try to, like, put it in a box. You can't really put it in a box because it has so many different, like, you know, little genres and little points and different characters, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with the fact that I think his filmmaking style kind of changed as well. Mm. Um, I think the break is actually from uh miss vengeance like miss vengeance felt very different from old boy and even mr vengeance yeah um as a film but i think that there are certain similarities with miss vengeance and the handmaiden Mm. i'm still there yeah uh whereas i feel like uh the hand the handmaiden is a lot more departed from old boy or or um mr vengeance 100 percent. so yeah, like the style, I guess, started changing a lot more um, as he did Miss Vengeance. And then um, I think he's continued to develop that. And in Handmaiden, um, you can really see that it's very different from like, yeah, you yeah. know, Old Boy or Mr. Vengeance or anything like that. So it, it's interesting for sure. And, mm. and yeah, like you said, there are still elements that are like he still utilizes and that you can kind of see that it's like you know, what he likes to do. But uh, overall, I think that it's a very 
pretty big departure, I, I feel like, at least. 100%. Yeah. It's definitely the most separated film from, from everything that we've seen, for sure. Yeah. And and it also, because the whole, it's, it's, it's you know, like, the other three movies that we were watching were really about revenge. Like, yeah, it was the true. focus, <laughs> but this is not really. Yeah. It kind of, I guess you can, if you really wanted to, like, it's an element push of, it there. Yeah. You could, but I don't think it, it, yeah, like you said, it's like an element of it, maybe, but it's not really that kind of film mm-hmm. and and because we've only been watching revenge films like it might we might like as viewers think oh like maybe this is all he, he does right but yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's really kind of like kind of shows that he can you know expand he has expanded his horizons and he does other stuff as well yeah yeah and this is our first time kind of seeing that so right um that's also why it's probably feels really different mm-hmm. yeah i think i'll like say that like he he's good with playing to the strengths of like the story that he's telling in the way where like you know okay the last three films were all revenge and he found a way to tell revenge three different ways but he did a really great job of of bringing the revenge theme out each time you know like he was really playing to the core of this is the movies are about this theme and then like how can i tell it in a different way from the last time you know what i mean yeah. and i think that element of how he works is still the same in The Handmaiden, where he's really bringing, like, the strengths of, like, this story and, like, this time period and sort of, like, you know, kind of adapting it from the novel and everything, like, really playing it to the strength of, like, the material. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, like, again, that kind of goes with maybe, like, genre in a way. He's, like, he's playing, you know, he plays really strongly into the genre. He's just good with, like, honing, like, what's there, you know, kind of, like, benefiting from it in that sense. So maybe that's his kind of style, per se. Yeah. But uh, I'll dive right into it. So, um, like I said, Handmaiden is his last release, or current release, uh, released in 2016. Uh, in the U.S., it was distributed by Amazon Studios, I believe, within the same year. Um, in the U.K., it was also distributed by Amazon in 2017. It was actually the highest grossing foreign film in the U.K. as well. Um the film has received numerous and pretty much unanimous critical praise. It's quite the good one. Um, the movie is actually based off of a novel called Fingersmith. The book was written by Sarah Waters, and it was published in 2002. Uh, unlike the movie, though, it's actually set in the Victorian era in Britain. The book is has been adapted quite a few times, besides the film, like a, a stage play, as well as a television show in 2005 released by the BBC. Um, so a little bit of kind of how he wanted to do this. So Park Chan-wook obviously read the book. He actually didn't even finish the book when he decided he wanted to adapt this to the screen. Um, in an interview with Curzon, Curzon? I'm not really sure how to spell that, um, he says that it was the tooth filing scene in the book um, that made him want to adapt that scene onto the big screen. Mm-hmm. And so another tidbit is that once he finished adapting the screenplay, he sent the screenplay to Sarah Waters for comments. And her response was like, she kind of saw the film as more of like an inspired by rather than a straight up adaption of his book. Right, right. And that's something I can get behind. Like there's, from what I know, like there's a lot of enough difference mm-hmm. that this is kind of, this, this is like a, a lane of its own, you know? Yeah, like you know, like we always talk about, like capturing the spirit of the right, right of the you know adaptation. What you're adapting, 
And this yeah. was definitely that. I think, yeah, I mean, if, if they... I, I haven't wa- read the book, so I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But if that is, you know, what he did, I think that is the best way to adapt right. a, something, uh, adapt the material to... Like, I haven't read the book either, but, you know, watching this movie, it feels like it's a thing of its own. Like, it's its own piece entirely. Right. And, you know, the setting's different. I'm sure the characters are different. A lot of the, you know, the the details are probably very different. Right, right. But it didn't feel like a straight-up adaption, right? Like, it didn't feel like the movie was trying to be some, like, something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's, like, the ro- like a, a true mark of of a good adaptation. Like yeah, like uh, it, it has to feel like it, it's it's come out of its own, right? Like right. It, it came from its own. Like it's not like from anywhere else. Like I think that's why like the Lord of the Rings is such a good adaptation mm. for movies because it doesn't feel like um, it's part of something where like it it came from somewhere else and that you're trying to um, like do a play like it's it's not like you're trying to show this like show off like oh look these are elves and these are dwarves you know <laughs> right, like right. or these are hobbits like it's not trying to show people like a some kind of spectacle but it's more like they're living in this world and we just happen to like yeah look yeah. into it like have a glimpse into their world right this living breathing world and that's what he did right oh, yeah so i feel like that really kind of makes it feel like and it makes it a good adaptation whereas i feel like you know other films who, that adapt different material feel so much like like they're trying to like show that it, this is like from this manga or like from right. this other book or from this other thing that it loses its own like foot footing right yeah yeah, yeah. And it does it can't really stand on its own it's just like borrowing it's like leaning on <laughs> the it's former, the former like, yeah <laughs> it's former life right <laughs> and and i don't think that really lends to a good movie yeah no 100 percent agree actually yeah it, it's like it's world building and like i said it has to feel lived in like yeah it's got to be like pre-existing in a way yeah that just adds to like the believability of it mm-hmm. that you something that you can like really like, if if i were to say like if you know, like usually, like sometimes in movies, like they said, like they have a little like um, subtitle, like mm-hmm. um, like adapted, but from <laughs> like a book or whatever. Right, right. Like imagine if that wasn't there and you watched the movie, yeah, and you really just fell in love with that movie, mm-hmm. right? Even regardless of whatever it was ad- adapted by, like if it can do that, then I think it's yeah. good, right? Hundred percent agree. I felt like that with this, and most right. of the times. With good adap- adaptations, I don't usually know. Yeah, I didn't know about it either for The Handmaiden as well. Right. So, First time I'm hearing it. Mm. Do my research. But it's funny, like, going back to a previous conversation that we had where, you know, we're talking about, like, Parasite and things and that, like, we're talking about that that Asian movies have these big success stories in the West or in the U.S. or wherever. That like, it's kind of funny in the way that these movies feel, and this movie included, feels very, you know, brought into its, um, like, very Korean or, or very much where it's made. Right, it's rooted in where right. it's from. Between, right. like, not only setting and characters, but, like, sensibilities yeah. and, like, language, like, all those things. Yeah. Um, and this movie, like, funny enough, does that, but it's kind of the opposite because it's adapted from, 
you know, uh, UK material, right? So like right. something that was formerly English, he was able to bring into his own sort of world, essentially, and like really flesh it out to kind of his own understanding, uh-huh. essentially. You know what I mean? So like that really, like really, really lends itself in that way. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool and like really smart. Really, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, so for me, as far as first time, definitely not my first time. Definitely not my second time. I don't know. I'll say like four or five, probably. I think I overwatched this movie <laughs> in the in the beginning when it came out. Um, but I I do remember like the first time I saw it was back in Jacksonville, Florida, like probably 2017 or 2016, somewhere around close to after the release. And like my favorite art house theater, shout out to Sunray Cinema, uh, played it there. And I really liked it. I like I said before, I don't think I knew Park Chan-wook at the time. Uh like I knew the name but didn't wasn't really familiar with his films. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went in expecting this movie to be more of like the thriller kind of suspense and I was definitely shocked by like the sexuality of the movie. <laughs> like I really wasn't just expecting that yeah. <laughs> straight up. And so I was like, man, like sitting in a the theater like Look left, look right. <laughs> like look around you. Like yeah, I was uh, watching the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like what what happened here? Um, but like at the same time, I was like really mesmerized by this film. For mm-hmm. like, like one, it's a beautiful film. This movie's gorgeous. This movie's amazing to look at. But also just the story and like the double twist that happened. I was like, oh shit. Mm. And then like right at the final part, I'm like, oh shit again. Like you know what I mean. Mm. So that like those really. Like that really invested me into the movie, and it's so it's, it's like it's twists like that and like the complexity of the narrative that really kept me going back to watch this movie kind yeah. of over over again. And even this time around, when I'm watching it, I kind of found that like man, there's so much that you can actually re pick up if you look. Like it's definitely a movie that when you watch it and watch it again, there's something that you can learn each and every time. You mm-hmm. know, it's weird that it's like it's like complex but kind of simple. At the same time, a little bit, yeah. if you know what I mean. And so, it, like, like all the things that you can pick up are subtle things. And so, like this time around, it was I kind of picked up a more like technical stuff that we can talk about. Yeah. But each and every time, I was like, I really felt like I was appreciating. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, I really appreciate that something like this was made. Mm-hmm. In a way. How about you? I watched it well, maybe like a year after it came out. I think I just watched right. it on Amazon Prime because it was it was on Prime. Right. Um. So I watched it think when did i watch you anti-theater lover how <laughs> dare you i think i i was uh maybe on my road trip and then i was watching it on the road trip i forget and you watch it on like a little phone no i watched it on my laptop wow <laughs> like six more inches yeah it's huge great <laughs> anyways uh i watched it uh i don't think i understood it very well like i didn't <laughs> the material it, it was I watched it because people said it was good, and I was like, "Okay, so What's how good could it be?" About? <laughs> and I watched it um, on Prime. I think what kind of screwed me over was because um, there's so much changing of language between Japanese and Korean, mm. and I was, I think, I was watching it with Korean subtitles at the time. Maybe no, on Prime it probably wasn't. I was probably watching it in English, but I just mm. there's just so much stuff going on, like technical 
like you know the the word like speaking and stuff like that yeah when i was watching it then i don't i guess i wasn't really focusing on it either maybe the, that's the problem when you watch on a laptop right and you're on a road trip you got too many, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, there's too many, many things, things going, going on, on in your life at the time <laughs> <laughs> and so like i was watching it and uh yeah like i i think just at a very like surface level it, i thought it was a very good movie in terms of the cinematography in terms of right. the story it's like presentation um, presentation as well um when the like <laughs> i think when the twists happened i was like what what happened there <laughs> i think i did that a few times when i watched it okay we go back to the beginning you're like why are we back at the beginning what's, yeah what's going on? but um i think i think what what i was really confused was like when um when uh hideko um when they're at the mental asylum in front of the mental asylum and, mm. and, and they start like taking away um suki and i yeah. was like Wait, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I was just I was in the shoe of Suki. Damn. I just didn't you know were, as well. You were so <laughs> I was so, so immersed. Suki, you're like the twist got you. Right. You got, so got. I was like, yeah, I got got. So I was um very kind of confused at that. Um and then you just checked out for the next for the next so I was like, I was, no i think for, for after that i was just trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> like in my mind i'm like i'm, I'm not even, trying to like recap yeah, from the first I'm trying to figure out like everything <laughs> behind and I'm, I'm like keep on like you know being uh, yeah, yeah. being like trailing by instead of like actually paying attention to the movie no it kind of makes sense because like like the first hour is the suki story yeah but even that is like a little twisted itself because it's like oh you think like it presents like she's just a normal maid and then it's just switched like no she's a thief yeah and like that is like the that's the little twist, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, then you add another twist, and then another twist on top, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Ooh, yeah." So <laughs> yeah, funny enough, this film feels the most like uh, most. Um, I guess the word <clears throat> is like it's the most. It's the best for general audience viewing. I think like think so? people who just enjoy movies can just watch it kind of easily i feel like i feel that way more for lady vengeance that's no that's true but i i think from the four films this is like probably the second one okay that's like sure i'm just very easy to watch for for people i think like like it feels very (laughs) almost like just like uh spectacly almost like it kind of feels like oh look what happened? There's I mean, a twist. Yeah, the twist is definitely twist like there. the hook of it. Right. That right. really like, like it's a conversation starter, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like the like if, I think if you want a general audience to like hook on, yeah, you want them talking. Like, like there's there are like just big like moments, and I guess right, is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like they're just these moments where you're like, oh, like look at this, look look at what happened here. Whereas I think like Lady Vengeance, there are some moments like that, but. I think overall everything feels a little more muted 100%. in one yeah. sense, you yeah, know, because yeah. it is also like a like a darker, <laughs> more revenge kind of thing. Agreed. But this is kind of a little more I wouldn't say flamboyant, but more <laughs> like more out use there. Of like, yeah. yeah. And and like the use of colors and use of like all these different things that kind of right. engage you into watching the movie and then when you know, like we kinda of talked about like it um we talked about Lady Vengeance kind of feeling like a heist. Right. This kind of has a little bit of those elements where, like, there's like those people who are also part in part of the, you know, the the scheme scheme or whatever. But yeah. you know, they're really not as prominent in this movie at all. 
um, but it's usually mostly Suki and uh, Fujiwara, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, just just like that thing of like them trying to deceive and trying to like get you know it, it's kind of like a heist if you think about it. They're trying to Pretty steal much. the yeah the inheritance, right? Basically, so <laughs> it, it, like there's a lot of those kind of like genre tropes i feel like that he utilizes pretty well that are interesting to see too right yeah i mean like i guess technically the whole movie's kind of i mean like story-wise it's a heist movie right Mm -hmm. but i mean there's other elements of like because the second half is kind of thriller-ish a little bit right and yeah like you said but those are very like genre like dna like those are very genre tropes and i think that's why it feels more like Easier for the audience right. to watch because right? it's familiar. Yeah, there are familiar things that people can just l- like latch onto. Right. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. I yeah, I think in my experience, I felt like this movie was kind of like my parasite mm-hmm. in a way. Like I think I I had the same experience that like other people had with Parasite when they saw it. Like the, in the way that like being mesmer- mesmerized by this Korean film. Mm-hmm. I think this was kind of like my intro to that. Your gateway drug. Yeah, and I was like, what? This, this, is, this is crazy. <laughs> they can make movies like that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, let's move on to a uh, quick take. Sure. This is your week, bro. You got to be, the th- what, my three minutes, was it? Your three and a half minutes. My, in, my three minutes. Where's the stopwatch? You don't need to put a stopwatch. Time you How fast can you read? All right. Are thou ready? Yeah. Go. So the movie takes place in Japan-occupied Korea, where a con man who goes by Count Fujiwara devises a plan to seduce a Japanese heiress named Hideko by having a pickpocket named Suki infiltrate the mansion of Kuzuki, a Korean man who sold his country for wealth. He is an uncle. He is the uncle of Hideko and plans on marrying her to take her inheritance so that he could further his obsession for perverted books. Suki becomes the handmaiden for Hideko, um, and she tries to um, convince Hideko to accept a proposal from Count Fujiwara when he comes to court her. And um, after that, uh, Suki wants to... Suki and Count Fujiwara like are, is trying to take the inheritance after um, having Fujiwara marry uh, Hideko, and then they want to throw Hideko into a mental hospital. So that's basically the plan that they have. But uh, things go awry when Suki falls in love with Hideko and their feelings become mutual and they um, make love. And, um, you know, the things take a turn when Hideko was on a plot, was in on the plot all along and that she actually made arrangements with Fujiwara to split their inheritance in exchange for her freedom from the uncle. And so... What they do instead is they convince the mental asylum that Tsuki is actually the countess and that um, they should they take her instead. Um, but then there's another twist out <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> where um, this was also planned by 
Hideko and Suki when Suki confesses to Hideko um, about the whole plan that he she had with Fujiwara when uh, Hideko was about to hang herself and Suki doesn't want her to die so she basically confesses everything um, that she was planning and so after that um, Suki and Hideko um, makes plans so that once Suki is in the asylum they uh, with the help of um, Suki's friends they basically uh, help her escape the asylum and then Hideko and Suki meet together and they plan to flee to Shanghai on a ship. And while that's all happening, and while that, well, while Hideko was with Fujiwara at that moment, she basically drugs Fujiwara and then um, escapes um, while uh, while uh, Kozuki's men basically find Fujiwara in the hotel where he was drugged and they take him to Kozuki where Kozuki interrogates him and they both die there because uh, Fujiwara basically has this cigarette that <laughs> is that contains mercury yeah. and they basically die together in this basement dungeon thingy. Smoking the fumes. Yeah. And the movie ends with the two women successfully fleeing on a ship where they make love and that's how it ends. All sweet. Yes. I still hold the record, guys. <laughs> nah. What well, was like 14 minutes? We'll say right, 14 seconds. 14 seconds. <laughs> hey, in the world of speed running, seconds count. Hey, we should just make it under four minutes. Nah, don't <laughs> he can't be changing it. <laughs> the target time is two minutes. And so far, I'm 14 seconds ahead of you. Uh huh. This is not enough time, man. You gotta take it. Take it. Give us no, some breathing get, room. You gotta strategize. Did you That's not hear? Nah. Did you not learn from Kozuki? He's <laughs> gonna smack you if you don't pause between <laughs> reading. <laughs> Take a breath when you read. Yeah, we're the uh, the boss. Yeah. That's brutal, yo, dude. She's like ten, eight. Yeah, something like that. Goodbye, knuckles. Yeah, that, that was that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, so. So what's your favorite part about it? Did you prefer the the Suki trope in the beginning? Or were you, do you feel like now you're more invested in the the second twist? And kind of like everything unfolding after the fact. Uh, I mean, I didn't have, I didn't like favor one or the other. Mm-hmm. I, as I was watching it though, um, I don't know. I, I, for, to be honest, the story itself, I don't think I was very like, very invested um in terms of like in terms of like what you know in relation to the other movies that we watched like lady vengeance or old boy or um mr vengeance like Mm. i feel like this one was the one that i like didn't really it didn't really like captivate me the story itself like the plot itself as much but i just thought it was like kind of you know, um, like tropey, right? Like these moments where, like, you know, there's uh, when when uh, they figure out that this happened, or like when we go back into the flashback and like we go uncover all the different moments where, you know, 
right. um, Hideko knew all along or like Fujiwara knew all along or, mm. you know, or even like Suki knew all along, like these moments that happen. Um, so like, it, I, I think it's really like fun to watch in that sense, like fun seeing how these things uh, unravel and seeing how the puzzles kind of all come together. Yeah. So I think th- those moments were fun, but I don't think it engaged me as much as like maybe like Old Boy or like even Mr. Vengeance where I was kind of mentally engaged like in, in the sense that like I had to do a lot of the work right, to figure right. out different things. Yeah. Whereas I feel like this movie kind of gives you everything. Right. You know, like it just it's just like, okay, this is what happened and this yeah. is what happened <laughs> and this is the things that were going on here. And you Right, know, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's like, it's definitely less brain power in the sense that Yeah, yeah, you don't like, need to <laughs> turn on your brain as much. Like there's right, nothing right. like where it's like it's not there's nothing where it's like, "Oh man, I, that like before right, that happened yeah. was supposed to be this." Like there are little bits of that, but it's not like as prevalent as like Old Boy or like as right, Mr. Right. Vengeance where like there are things that happened before you where you're like Man, like that connects to this, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? All the information given to you in the beginning, so you yourself can connect it back. Yeah. And at the end, yeah. Where this one is the opposite. You don't know what's going. Like you think you know what's going on the right. first part, and then you, and it turns out you don't. And then the movie explains to you what really was going on. Yeah, but I think one of the reasons why the impact kind of lessens is because they do it twice, right? Right, and and. The first time they do it is like basically in the middle of the movie. Mm. So that kind of like puts you in a place where it's like it builds up and then it kind of goes down a lot again. <laughs> and it builds up and it kind of goes down. Yeah. But the last, like the twist, I feel like it's a little bit smaller than the first twist. Like, well, the middle twist. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There, there's a small twist where it's like Tsuki is actually a thief or whatever. That's mm-hmm. a small twist. Right, right. And then there's a big twist where it's like they're. They're Count Fujiwara, yeah, yeah, Count Fujiwara and Suki are like in it together, mm-hmm. and then there's that last twist, which is you know Hideko and Suki. Yeah, we're and, actually playing him. Over. Right, yeah. right, and and I feel like the middle twist was the biggest, whereas okay, I feel right. like in order to really like play it strongly, the biggest twist had to be at the very end. Yeah, where but like once we know that twists are happening like that. It's kind of like, yeah, you get desensitized to the fact that twists are happening. So it's like, at the end, you're like, okay, of course, right? Like, it's (laughs) like, you know, which I don't think is necessarily like the worst thing. But like in terms of like viewers feeling a certain kind of way, I think it does like lessen the impact. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, like you said, with like uh, old boy, especially um, particularly, right? The twist is saved for the end of the movie. Right. Right. And you're so, like, damn. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, once the movie ends, then that's it. So if you end on a twist, then you, like you're ending with a conversation like automatically, right. and like just for that alone, like kind of keeps the life of it going. Right, you right, know what right. I mean? Whereas here, like you said, it's in the middle, and everything ends up getting explained after the fact. Mm. So like, there's not really much of a after conversation because you can you just end up talking about what was yeah. what was given to you. Because it, it is a two-hour and almost, like, 30-minute movie, Yeah, right? it's a long one. But it's, like, they go through the same thing almost three times. Pretty much. So it's yeah. it's a lot of, like, going, like, you know, going through the weeds and figuring <laughs> out what's what and what's, you know, not yeah. right and whatever. So it, it's, it's very 
um, almost re- repetitive, right? Mm-hmm. In that sense, where you're seeing things in a different way, and I think that's really cool, right? Like seeing what other people knew at that moment, and mm-hmm. I think that's a very cool thing to show, and and it's very interesting to watch as well. But I think that it doesn't it, it does lessen the impact though, in terms of like a person feeling like a movie is like moving forward or like right, right, right? yeah. No, that's hundred percent true. Uh, I mean, like on the flip side, um, I really like the double perspective element to it. Same, so, same. I do. I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But just like, but, but yeah, I really liked. Um, like, I really think, uh, like the Suki side of it, the the very first part was like really good in selling you that it was really Suki. Mm. Like, and then like this time around, I was noticing like, oh yeah, like she's actually narrating her first part, and yeah. then the narration is gone like after the twist, right? Because mm-hmm. then we're really all about um. Damn, I just remembered Hideko. it. Hideko. Lady Hideko. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, like, why am I, like, I was kind of asking myself, like, why was I so invested in, in like, uh, Suki in the beginning? I think, like, that's a huge part of it. It's like, we're, we're in her head on top of, like, seeing everything her way. Yeah. And she's, like, we're there with her own problems, right? Like, she's kind of narrow-minded a little bit, but she's also like, like, all right, I'm here for a job and I have to play this, this, uh, this lady, this poor girl in order to get her riches. Yeah. And then, like, I know that the count is on it, and, like, we're playing her, and then even, like, Hideko's, like, portrayed in this, like, very, like, innocent kind of light. You know, she has a very different persona than what she actually is. And so, like, all these things, like, really add to, like, selling it. Mm. And then at the end, or, like, in the middle, anyway, when she gets taken into the mental hospital... And then we flip to uh, Lady Hiduko's story. Basically, it's like her entire life story, essentially. Because yeah, yeah. like, we go way, way back. back. Into her, <laughs> it's like back into her childhood, yeah. essentially. And like basically why she... Like the relationship between her and her uncle and why her uncle's a, a scumbag. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we just kind of like rush through her life story, essentially, all the way up until... Um, and it, like it's funny because it's Hideko's story, but it, it also tries to tie it in like everything else. Like, also with Count Fujiwara and, like, his true intentions with the whole thing, right? Because then we get the behind the scenes of what Hideko's, like, reading job is. Like, what it means that, like, what does she actually do? Because like, we get kind of information in the beginning. Like, yeah. we know that she reads books and that's about it. But we don't know, like, what kinds of books they were. And then we don't even know, like, that it's not even just reading. Like, it's really a performance mm-hmm. versus just the reading, you know? Yeah. And it's this very, like underground like dark like black market type yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. you know because it's all like erotic novels yeah and she's basically like you know performing for- it out yeah, almost, yeah exactly but in this very like weird elegant kind of way yeah so it's this very sophisticated thing but then on top of you know uh knowing that this is what uh Hideko is basically grown up to do for her, for her entire life we also get like count side of him like in the beginning of his mission of like I'm going to scam this family. And then him and talking with uh, uh, Kozuki. Oh, Kozuki. Yeah. Right. Like at that, the after, like, like after his first time. Yeah. 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 Th- like it's a bit of his story as well right, in there. Right. right? right. Cause he's kind of like unleashing it. So it's like doing all these things in the second part. And how he comes to change his plan and, you know, making arrangements with Hideko to. Exactly. You know. Yeah. To be like, you know what? I was going to scam you and I'm actually not Japanese. I'm actually Korean right. for real. Now let's scam, <laughs> you know, Kozuki together yeah, and, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, I got the perfect plan. I'll bring in this girl who will be your handmaiden. Yeah. And then basically we'll, like, use her as a pawn 
to whatever, whatever. And then, then we learn that, like, you know, Hidoko's going with a plan with the intent of, like, being promised freedom. And, like, that's what she's really after is to right. just, like, kind of leave the whole house thing. Not even to, like, be married to Count or whatever. Which even, like, the Count in himself is, like, I'm in it for the money. But he ends up being, like, enchanted by this girl yeah. by the end of it, kind of. Um, anyway, we find out that basically she falls in love with uh, Suki. And then that's, like, the that's kind of, that's, like, the third twist is when... Well, they actually did kind of fall in love, and then they plan to go along with the plan, and then like basically drug um, Fujiwara. Fujiwara, and it'd be like, "We out of here, yeah, <laughs> we out of here," uh, and then like let him take all the flack. Mm-hmm. You get caught by the yakuza <laughs> and my, my uncle's gang. So yeah, it's like it's like a lot to juggle. Like that right. last part is kind of what I'm saying. There's like it's like another twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but because it's like. The twist happens in the middle where, okay, Suki was getting scammed. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like a mix of, like a myriad of things. It's mm-hmm. like the life story of, of um, God dang, of Hidako. And then like the explanation of like what the twist is that her and Fujiwara were on it. And then like, because the third, like the quote unquote third twist where that she falls in love with Suki kind of happens progressively within her like backstory, you could say. Like, it doesn't really happen in the same way that the twist happens. Yeah. Like, the middle twist. I mean, the first time they make love is in Tsuki's story, though, in part one. Right, right. right. And then when they go back to it, like, right. that's kind of the scene where it's like, yeah. this was like this was for real right. rather than, like, you know, playing an act, mm-hmm. essentially. We're really, like, that like that scene kind of solidified it. But then, like, that was the hint of it. But the solidifying scene was when she went to go commit suicide off the tree. Yeah. And then... uh Suki was like, no, don't do it. Stop it. I'm actually... Like, she encompasses everything yeah, like, right then and goes, there. And I think that's the cool part about the characterization of this movie. Where in the beginning, you know, we follow Suki and she's very confident. And we're in the head of Suki. Like, she's a narrator. Yeah. So we, like, automatically, when there is a narrator, we kind of place our trust in them, right? Uh, because they are narrating the story. Yeah. We assume that they knew no. <laughs> most about the story right but as the story goes on we realize that suki is actually really the most naive one right yeah and that she and and she shows that like moment by moment even even in her narration you can kind of like see her innocence like yeah yeah yeah. like you know when she like comments about like how beautiful um, hideko is right when she's you know yeah like doing all that stuff and so seeing that it's kind of you know like the characterization of Suki as the innocent one, but who's like narrating everything, mm-hmm. kind of it's really good because it she becomes like this unreliable narrator who's narrating the story and really helping the twists kind of work even better. Yeah, yeah. And she's not like I mean, you think that she's kind of the center of the story too, because right? and you you feel like she is competent, right? Like she, oh, you, she's, right, right. It seems like she's doing her job properly, right? Right. Like she's giving off like. You know, uh, you know, I was raised with street smarts, right, right, essentially. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, so I know the most, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Even even when they're um, having sex, like she's like, oh yeah, I'll teach you all these different things. Right. Right. And she's acting like she knows everything, but then you know, <laughs> it turns out you were the stupid <laughs> little, one. Little did you know, <laughs> you're getting scammed and conned like left and right. <laughs> Her job is eroticism. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I love the line like at the twist is like you think she's this way, but it, it goes really a rotten bitch uh, <laughs> the whole <yeah>. time. 
<laughs> and then the little yeah but like i really loved two more so just like the switch on hiduko where like she really is captured as this very innocent sort of naive like young lady right. who was just sheltered her whole life you know mm. and then she's you know, being taken advantage of and blah 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 and then when we go to her side of the story like she's Completely somebody else. Like, yeah. she's... You know, you know, it's funny though. Like I, I never felt like she was completely different though. Like like it, it is right. portrayed that way. But I do think that like the element of innocence and stuff is still in her. Uh, like, yes, yeah, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the way because of the way that she was raised, yeah. she has to build that wall, right? She has to have that face on. Yeah. Like she does have to be like cold and callous mm. to protect herself. But I do feel like like there are especially when she's with Suki, like Right. You can tell her tell that she has this like naivety as well, right? right? Where she is like she lets her guard down, or like she even when she was about to hang herself, right? At <laughs> yeah. that moment when when Suki starts confessing, like she like even just the fact that she is trying to hang herself because she loves Suki and she doesn't want to go through with the plan and everything. Mm. It's just like it just goes to show that she is innocent, uh, not innocent, <laughs> <laughs> innocent. <laughs> she is naive and she is uh right, yeah. But, kind of young-minded or, yeah. or just like yeah and but like that comes out like at like as in the third act where right. like we're, we're, we're like re-secured that okay like their love was actually real yeah you know what i mean and that she kind of goes back to like well it's like it's funny because like what we see in the beginning is kind of her all along mm-hmm. right like you said like she does maintain that sort of insecurity in that wall but only she shows it to suki and so that's something that we come to understand yeah. eventually after the fact like after the twist you know what i mean so but i really like that it was like oh they're like it feels refreshing including the fact that we had to kind of see everything all over again yeah so but you know it's you do see that something is weirdly up like as we get to the twist because like you notice like once uh fujiwara convinces her like they kind of have an argument suki and hiroko and then he go to go decides to marry fujiwara and then it gets like a montage edit yeah. right after the fact. And there's like all these shots and all these like events and stuff that's happening. They're like mad confused about at the time. Because like, all right, fine. She decides to get married. Like, it's just like kind of conventional. It like, goes on with the fact. And then there's like, they're they're escaping the house. Okay, that makes sense. Then they pass through the tree with like the rope hanged in. You're like, what's that about? Like, uh, yeah. All right, whatever. And then they kind of keep going and then they get married. And they're like, all right, fine. They're eloping in Japan. And then, like at the wedding, she hands him the uh, the poison, and you're like, I don't even know what that is yeah. at the time. So there's, like, there's like all these things that are like confusing, and then you know, even with um, Hiroko, she like starts to kind of break down mentally a little bit. Like the interactions get really weird. Mm. Um, but then they like they make out, so you're like, so I guess I don't know what's happening right now. Like there's just all these controversial scenes, and then a twist happens, and you're like, all right, <laughs> I need a lot of explaining to do. For, yeah, like, and even like when the moment when. Um what's her name Hideko like they're at nighttime like Hideko and Suki are together and like like Hideko says like you know I don't want to go through with the marriage the proposal like right. what if I love somebody else and Suki basically like lies and he's like oh he's a good guy like you should marry him yeah. like she get just gets mad all of a sudden and like she slaps her like twice mm. and you're like oh dang like I know she like I know her. that like, you like you like her but, like, and stuff like that but like the it was very abrupt, right? That right. scene in conjunction with everything, I feel like. And, like, you have the assumption that, oh, it's because, you know, 
uh, it's because Hideko loves uh, Suki, obviously. Right. And that's like the, um, that's the implication. But then the, what really is going on is like, you know, all the Fujiwara stuff in the back and, yeah, yeah. and her kind of realizing that Suki is lying. Remember? Because like, because, you know, Hideko says like, like, I don't care if you steal. I don't care if you, you know. Um, you but know, yeah, steal yeah, yeah. or whatever, but no, as long as like just don't lie to me. Yeah, right? yeah. that's what she says. Um, in the very beginning when she first meets her. Yeah. And then at that moment, she's like lying about the most biggest thing that she. They know, have feelings for each other. Yeah, own. like yeah, yeah. about her own feelings for her. Right. And that's right. why she gets really mad and stuff. But like you don't realize that until way later, <laughs> right? When when we realize all the back. Yeah. That she knows that that Hideko knows about who suki is and all that so right right Kinda i like think it was uh, it was like cool to see that that the scene makes a lot more sense right in like the way that she got mad and like the different things because of all the things that we realize after right. the reveal we, we finally like understood what she meant like, right. we, like in the beginning when she's like don't lie to right. me. it's not right. just because she doesn't want to get married to him it's because right like right. She's lying about the fact that you know she she loves the, like the mutual love for each other and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean that really segues into kind of one of the things that I really picked up was um, parts of like repetition in this movie, like so much. There's so much repetition, like right. from people like quoting each other, people like quoting each other's lines, or like you know different like motifs kind of recurring, like different objects kind of recurring. Like, this whole thing with, like, I noticed, like, the gloves, right? There's always shots of, like, the gloves. You can kind of maybe see that as, like, a sign of her, like, freedom. Or, like, we talk about, like, her wall, right? She's always kind of, like, being protected. And, like, at the end, I was, because I was watching this video. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, that's why she puts the ring on the glove and then they toss it into the sea. Yeah. Kind of, like, getting rid of it all. Freedom. Yeah. But, um, but even in that sense, right, like, there's a lot of, like, payoffs in that sense. Where, like, you know, she's kind of talking about. You know the reason why she doesn't want her to lie to me, and then that kind of piss off later on into the argument, and it makes sense. Or even with um, there's a scene. So when Fujiwara was talking to uh, uh, Kozuki or Kozuki, yeah, and he's explaining like, um, was explaining like his way with women. He's like, he's like I, I can have like the I can have my way with any oh, woman yeah, that I woman, yeah. yeah. But there's only like one person in the mansion that I can't have my way with, or right? Whatever. He's like, who is it? You got to tell me who it is. Um, and I, it turns out to be Hideko. But he kind of explains like, well, how did how do you know? And he's like, well, you know, I make I, I always make eye contact with the women, and I th- they always look away, and then but I'm the one that keeps eye contact, and eventually they always look back. When I looked at Hideko, she made me look away. Mm. You know, so that's how you could tell that he was enchant like enthralled by her. Yeah. But if you go back into into the beginning, the first scene where um, Suki meets Hideko. She looks away, and then mm. looks back at, uh, her. at her at Suki, right? Yeah, so it's like that little payoff in the scenes. Mm. Like all, the, all there's like all these little like nuances of like repetition and like these kind of payoffs that always kind of come back mm. and make sense later, or are always reused for like a purposeful thing, but like seem very simple in the beginning. Right. That's definitely something that I picked up this time around, where I was like, kind of when I said earlier, where the movie seems kind of simple but complex it's like you really go back and look yeah so i thought that was really fascinating to see 
Yeah, I really like. I I thought the thing, the p- little pendant, was very interesting too. Where yeah. there's the picture of the person in the uh, little pendant every time, and then in the beginning, it's the pendant with the picture of uh, Hideko's mother, mm-hmm. right? And then later on, like she gives, uh, he, uh, she gives Suki the pendant with her own face in it. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I feel like it, it kind of like shows almost like them being trapped in in this thing <laughs> and then it's like it's like a sign of like you being trapped or like yeah, you yeah. getting got you know yeah. like you, you got got you have this in in it because uh, like even um her mother was she passed away after yeah um you know after having hideko and she kind of feels trapped in one sense as well hideko tra- right feels trapped and also like the use of that line too right like there was compared like they say that I'm not as beautiful as I'll my never mother, be as beautiful as, as my aunt, yeah. and then they do the same gestures. Like, can you compare? Yeah. Like all these things, I like come back later Repeat. on, and even with the aunt, right? When she, you know, oh, well, that's what the aunt said, right? But right, also right. Uh, Hideko says that, right? Yeah, and stuff like that, where there's like constant repetition of yeah. those things. So really cool. I think it like really plays into like the genre. Like I don't know, it feels very like novelty yeah in a way like into like the out of the whole yeah, what was interesting about the the pendant thing though is like <laughs> you know the drawing when they start drawing yeah, yeah, yeah you see the you see the drawing that hideko does it's like so bad so bad <laughs> and then you see the painting that uh fujiwara does yeah. and that painting is actually the painting that they use for the pendant oh like a little pendant yeah, right yeah yeah because <laughs> it can't be <laughs> it can't be the close right <laughs> But I, th- I thought it was kind of an interesting little like. Could you imagine? Thing. <laughs> I imagine this. You- <laughs> that would have been funnier. <laughs> Use your own painting. This is this is me. Yeah. You know what? You know what's like kind of like. It was like I was kind of like, what the heck was mm. when it's the she's like hanging on the tree scene where uh, Su- Suki is uh, confessing everything. Yeah, and there's that comedy bit. Why she like she let's go? Oh, okay. And I was like, wow! Like, I love that scene. Did you really? <laughs> like, it's like son of a bitch. <laughs> is this the appropriate like moment to do this comedy bit right now? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. I love that. I love that scene so much. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna say like the he continued like another thing that he does is like always putting in these like comedics. Like, there's always comedy in his movies, uh. but like. <laughs> dark comedy yeah but i mean even here like i would say that this movie it's not as dark as like lady vengeance yeah, yeah, for, for sure, sure yeah. you know or even like really any of the any other, other movies ones, yeah. but they always feel misplaced in where they shouldn't be yeah it, it feels perverted <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> it just like, like not appropriate like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like like i'm watching a movie that's like feels kind of heavy a little bit and then he has these like characters and these lines that throw in a hot moment yeah it's just like you always find a way to like ease up the tension. Yeah, yeah. Really like, like okay. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like I, I read a quote too that um, because he actually wrote the script with somebody else, his writing partner, mm. and she was like, she's like, why wow, you really can't like <laughs> like you you always write comedy and like you can't have you can't uh, play it straight. Exactly, you can never play like a straight scene. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess you're right. <laughs> but I mean, it works. Like, it definitely keeps you engaged, mm. you know. It keeps it up. But I love that scene. Yeah. He's just like, <laughs> she's like, sorry, sorry. Grabs her legs. Um, Any other favorite shots or scenes? Can you think of? Um, 
in terms of cinematography, I think like the very first scene when we see Suki in the rain, like with the umbrella and stuff, I think that's like a such a beautiful shot mm. where it's like all the buildings on the side and then she's just standing in the middle. Yeah. And then just like her, you know, with the baby. I just thought it's, it's such a like pretty shot. Like there's so many, like not, like you said, like there's so many great shots in this movie. And a lot of them kind of invoke a feeling of almost like a fairy tale, I feel like, mm. as well. We, we talked about like it kind of feeling like a fairy tale for the other yeah. movie as well. But like for this movie too, like I feel like like there are moments when it feels really like like a story out of a book 100%. or something like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I think that's kind of intentional as well because you know like the whole thing about Kozuki and him like wanting to his obsession with books and wanting yeah. to like play out these books and stuff like that, yeah. and that kind of is embodied in the movie itself, where the there is these beautiful shots kind of feeling like almost like a fairy tale or something that would come out of like. Um, movies that are like almost like like these like fairy tales are like princesses and like these kind of yeah, um, yeah. like you know stories that that it would come from like for example when they're escaping yeah. and you get that wide shot about of the planes and like they're running across the yeah. the like the grass and the all that and the, the planes and stuff like that. I mean, like you know, even in the story too, it's very it's very much save the damsel in distress. Exactly. Of, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it just kind of feels like there are moments in the story that feels very picturesque and very fa- fairy tale like even when Fujiwara and uh Hideko are there in the woods and, and they make um Tsuki go get the oil painting oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. like you know when they're like kind of almost making out like that s- shot also looks very like really, kind of yeah. beautiful and idyllic right yeah yeah and stuff like that just kind of all add up to almost this feeling of it being part of this story like a fairy tale story right. some other world yeah sort of thing yeah some other worldly thing 100 percent agree. Even, even the architecture of the house right yeah. it's, it's, it's it's such a mix it's not stuff. it's not a typical house right it's it's 100%. a you would never see it oh, i guess you can but typically <laughs> you won't you would never see a house that's like a mix of this you yeah. know um english and and like japanese kind of like mix of a house together right and i think that's all very intentional and kind of putting you in in this world like some 100%. kind of other world right yeah rather than just like this is our world like yeah, you know, yeah. lived in like you know realistic world mm-hmm. and i think that all kind of helps to you know emphasize um the point of the story or like the themes of the story yeah it's it's funny because like it feels that the world is rooted enough in reality that it's believable but the way that it's shot and like the way that everything is framed and and kind of portrayed feels very like otherworldly or very like very much out of the storybook Mm -hmm. or something and that there's also enough differentiation of like i said like with the house like that's very japanese and kind of korean as well as very much western inspired um and also like you know it's set in the 1930s so it's very much like modern, but also bridging on the line of. Um, it's in the middle, smack that middle of right. like the progressive like change, yeah, and the old past and exactly. all of that coming together. It's like just getting it. It's like the transition into modernization, yeah. right? 
like all those things really add to kind of like just shaking it up a bit and like enough detachment from like the real world in a way that kind of adds to it but yeah like i said everything is like every frame is like truly beautiful and like it's like a painting like even even the ending right when we see you know when they're on the ship all of that feels like a dream almost right like it it, it looks very like dreamy you know like this is like the perfect kind of ending like it's all like you know or is it (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah like the shot of like the ship going by and the moon and all that like yeah it's all super intentional like everything just feels so deliberate and so like meticulous Mm. in a way i mean like he i I was reading it like he says it too but i mean you really just gotta owe so much to the set design and like the set creation like just awesome really like it's like a lot of it was like like a lot of it looks practical and it's practical i think they did a really good job of uh, mixing that like the basement when when uh at the end <laughs> yeah when you go into the basement you realize like what's in there and all the stuff dun, dun, dun. Right. and like <laughs> more octopus right the, and and just like fujiwara also like having his cigarette and like it all like filling the room with kind haze. of basically haze and and like basically you know you're being drugged into this fantasy yeah. where, like you know you're finally like you know when he grabs like the smoke and it's like tangible uh-huh. it's like smoke is not tangible right. when you, like it's like deliberately like kind of feels like you know you're like finally accepting this right. world yeah. this fantastical almost <laughs> kind of world yeah it's really neat i think i really love that scene that comedic scene um i think still my favorite scene is probably the bathtub scene as well mm. actually um the teeth grinding scene the teeth grinding scene it's just so it's one of those things it's like it's really the first sign that something is there between hidoko and suki oh you know why he why the director wanted to make the movie after that scene yeah i mean he, he definitely put some love and care yeah into yeah that into scene. that scene 100 percent. well i mean like it really shows but even before i like you know read about that i was like oh there's just something about this scene that just like feels awesome it just feels like perfect and that it, well like one like hardly anything is spoken in that scene and, that, and that's what really is it because like i said it's like the first spark between them and it's like you're doing you're really getting that point across without having saying anything and like a lot of it is extreme close-ups and like the eyes and like the body and like her hand and like that little movement that uh um he <laughs> does with like her elbow uh, like grubbing it, like all these like little things that it's really that he gets across the tension, not even attention, just like the feeling, the tension, the tension. I thought I said intention, no, tension, tension. Yeah, like all that, like so perfect, you know, just with just with picture essentially. There's like really, I go back to him, like uh, it just works, it just works so so mm-hmm. freaking well, you know. So, yeah, I mean. Hey, it's his favorite scene too, so it shows. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like yo, take thirty four. I loved, I loved the basement. I love the interrogation scene actually, like mm. him, like Kozuki losing everything that he had, right, all of his books and stuff, <laughs> and his one last like desire is to find out what happened between Fujiwara and Hideko, and like him trying to get night. off from that, right? Like, yeah. like that's basically the last thing that he wants to kind of get out of Fujiwara 
and like it's like if i don't have my books at least you're gonna do this for me you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah that kind of thing and he's a man trapped by his own and desires it, it, it's i love that actor first of all um, he yo he really transformed for that role he, he's everywhere say. but like he's always so good at whatever role yeah. he's in so yeah he's from signal you watch signal right i did yeah yeah he's yeah. a detective he's i think the main detective i know yeah yeah, yeah i'm just saying it's my, <laughs> it's my favorite series but uh yeah, like just just the fact that like it his his addiction, right? It's his addiction to yeah. finding out like all of this like stuff and and just like him like that scene just captures it so well. I think like even after losing yeah. all of that, all he can focus on is like how to get <laughs> like you know details more, more about yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> give me Edo Edo. Yeah. So it, it's 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 such a I think well crafted. Uh, scene with the tension of like him cutting off his fingers and like him about to cut off his balls but he just (laughs) got lucky at the end yeah it's like it's like you said because it's a scene that really brings out like the true nature of both characters Mm -hmm. for one but for him especially like he's so like trapped by his own like desire and so like you know into eroticism that like he's he just gets blinded by the fact that he's torturing this guy Mm -hmm. like he's blinded by his like he can't even be mad anymore. You know, like he's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, I just got double, triple crossed, and this guy just basically like, lost all the most precious stuff that he you had. Exactly. And yet you're like, you're not even like, you're past the point of like madness, right? Exactly. Anger. You, you're not getting revenge anymore. After like, you just you're just going after. Yeah, that, it's like that, I that. just I just want what like I just want my my drugs, right? That's kind. That's the kind of exactly. implication that's there. <laughs> and then Fujiwara is just like fuck it <laughs> like at, at least i got my balls <laughs> <laughs> before i die yeah he just kind of goes back like the lone wolf kind of guy like uh, i'm dead here anyway i love when he's in the car with the two yakuza guys he just like pops all three cigarettes in the middle yeah <laughs> I, I like i liked also when at the end when he's like breathing in the mercury deeply yeah, like yeah. three times and then it swaps to um, Hideko, right? Mm. And I like that juxtaposition in there too, where like yeah. the breathing, the heavy breathing, and then it like changes still to frame. Hideko. Still the last thing you think about. Mm. My Hideko. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really awesome. Um, I think other than that, it's kind of what I had for scenes. Street confession scene. I really like <laughs> when Fujiwara was, uh, was um, there were like the painting lessons and he was waiting outside because he like being intentionally late. He's like playing with the housemaid oh, yeah. in the teacup. He's like, ah, 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 <laughs> ah, 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 Yeah. What do you do? You just have so much money. He's like, ah. <laughs> such a troll. <laughs> no, it, it really plays into like going later on when they finally get married and they finally leave Suki in the thing and they're having like the celebration dinner, right? And he, he's explaining, he's like, it's not even money, that the material money that I'm even after. It's the essence of, or the cadence of having to order wine without looking at the price. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just wants, like, the lavishness, like, right. the superiority of it. And that, that, like, plays... The status, almost. The status, the, yeah. Yeah. That's so his... Like, that's so his character, 100%, right? Like, this huge swindler that kind of wants it all. Because he, he was, like, born poor, and he was, like, you know, a right. farmhand or whatever, and then... He's always aspired to that, right? Right, right. 
the bigger lifestyle, the free lifestyle. Um, anything else you wanted to add? Anything you guys interested? Um, this is the first time when I watch when I watched, yeah, um, that I saw the main actor Tsuki, the actress. Yeah, um, this is the first time, first movie that I saw her in. Yeah, this is her first role. Yeah, no, is that that's what I'm saying. Like, it's oh, the bad. first one I, I watched her in, and I really like fell in love with the actress. Like, mm. I just thought she was such a good actress, and like seeing her subsequent works, like. It w- it was really cool seeing the range that she has, and 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 thing about her is like there's a like she's really good at like these very like almost subtle expressions and like like the way that she moves her like it's funny but it's like the way that move she moves her her face <laughs> and like these these little like moments where you can kind of see her like feeling a certain way through the way that she expresses it on her face and i just love that about about her like the way that she's able to do that um there's this one drama that i watched mm. that um she was in it's called miss mr sunshine okay it's a korean drama but like there's a scene where uh the main character and her they're like it's kind of like a romance thing but like there's this like little like slight like smile that she does like um, when they like first kind of like they're they're like kind of like vibing each other vibing out. with each other yeah <laughs> uh, and like the guy's like i think she he was like putting on her shoe or something like that but there's like that slight like smile that she did but it's like not too much where it just kind of seems like like you know it's very like selling it yeah, yeah but like yeah it's really hard to do that right it's not like it's not like you intentionally like to intentionally do that is like really hard right so yeah. i don't know if that's like her intentionally doing it or just like <laughs> are you just that talented yeah, or, or, or it's just, just really like just the natural like her being in that mode right yeah yeah but even even in this movie um i saw that where when hideko like kind of calls her out for her not understanding uh, being able to read right and she makes that facial expression like oh man i got caught and like she does yeah. this she almost like twitches her like like mouth or whatever mm-hmm. and it was like very like oh like dang like it kind of feels like she's really like flustered yeah, yeah like flustered yeah. but she doesn't want to show it and like that really get like is encapsulated there i was like oh dang like it's like so good <laughs> you know like <laughs> no 100 percent, yeah she's i mean she's very expressive and very like like with suki's character i mean she feels very like overconfident and like when she's like things are going well yeah but then when she hits the fan like she seems dumb <laughs> <laughs> like she becomes neurotic yeah kind of like you said, yeah, right yeah, yeah. like like that scene right like when when she's kind of getting caught she's like uh and then like clear signs start to show uh, you know what i mean uh-huh. or even when like she completely breaks out in the when um before in the confession scene on the tree and then she like just completely like right, breaks out yeah. like when like when it push comes to shove she's just like the neuroticism like completely kind of takes mm-hmm. over, you know. So that's really, really interesting to see. But she does have a good grapple on, on the characters. Mm-hmm. I, I have to watch. It was her first like big role. It's just crazy, right? <laughs> like, man. But I was born for this. <laughs> <laughs> when it's right, it's right. I guess they, he said like he actually did, um, did like open casting for that role. Yeah, it was and like. 
huge amount of people. Yeah, it was like almost fifteen hundred people. Yeah, fifteen hundred people. Yeah, and none of them made it. <laughs> you know, I I heard um, a story about her um, and Park Chan. He was like, mm. he was like, um, so uh, do you want to do a project? Like after after finishing this project, yeah. Park Chan was like, oh, would you like? Would you like to do another project with me in the future? And she was like, "Oh, if the project is good, I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> Damn, she, she's just like so like cool about. It. She's like, "Yeah, if the project's good, I'll do it." If the project's good, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> Why are you talking like an A-list actor? Yeah, nobody knows your name right now, lady. Uh, I th- I don't know if that was like for during the audition or like after, but like she said that it was like mm. oof. I think that. That's Maybe it, it was during the audition, and that's why he wanted to pick her or something. Uh, but like, it was like, anyways, it's just funny either way. <laughs> I, I read that, um, like, so obviously, you know, her and um, what was uh, the other actress's name? Uh, Minhee, I think. Mini, right? I don't have it written down. It's on my other one. Oh, is it? Uh, oh, that's Hiro Kozan. My bad. Oh yeah, Kim Mini. Uh, yeah, Mini and her like the way that that they were described on set was like Mini was like a more like a dog, like very like composed. Oh, you mean you mean um like in, in terms of the like a cat or like a cat, like a cat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's very composed and like you know kind of on set, like very professional. But then uh, Kim Teddy, Kim Teddy was Kim like Teddy, a dog. <laughs> yeah, she was like sporadic and like trying to around. figure things out. <laughs> yeah. Which is like everywhere. excited all the time, like always on like on a set, like mm-hmm. having fun, like going around location and things yeah. like that. It was like I very plugged well into also their characters yeah. and like kind of who they were on screen. That's it's true. Just, it's like good casting, <laughs> good casting, good dynamic. Huh? So that's an awesome like having like a mentor. Like I feel like it was very much of like your scene partner, but she's also obviously like her mentor in it as well. Yeah, like this huge role. I'm like oh, oh my god. But yeah, so I mean, talking about the series in general, how do you think this is kind of stacking up against the rest? I mean, I mean, he's such a great director, you know. Like, yeah, what is there not to like? <laughs> Everything, <Okay. laughs> <laughs> you know, so many good good things to learn, especially from him. Um, I think the most what I loved the most about this series and about him and his filmmaking is the way that he's able to tell a story without necessarily dialogue like he's really able to use the images and use and 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 the way that and and this is a trait of all good directors i think but it's their trust in the audience's ability to figure things out right and i think that park chanuk is really great at that and that that is exemplified in old boy right Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something that you know really that you could learn from his movies is like trust the audience like they'll figure it out right yeah give them what they need but you don't have to give them everything yeah and you know they'll figure it out and you know it'll make your movie better because you can't beat the audience's imagination right Right, like that's always better than what you can all you can try to show and you know his his films are just filled with such interesting like mix-ups of various genres and various you know s- styles and stories and yeah you know there are different you know i guess tropes but like him putting that all together and creating something unique and really engaging and fun so and and thoughtful too you yeah know, right. especially all the vengeance stuff kind of makes you 
want to talk about it more and like figure out you know mm. something that lingers on more mm. than just the movie so yeah 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 i think the key word there is like um he does really good of keeping the audience engaged um like with all these movies i think that is a, a centerpiece is like i said of um like of being engaged or like whether it's the plot twist or like like i said of giving you enough information but not over information like he's always making you work just a little bit or just enough what's appropriate for the story that you're constantly kind of forced to pay attention to kind of carry along you know yeah so he's good he's really good at that of like making you watch the movie basically you know what i mean and i that's like everybody should know how to do that I and mean, it's kind of hard to do like it's easy yeah, it's, it's easy to bore people master. right he's really good at it <laughs> really good at it yeah so i mean it's like it's funny because like with him it's like I feel like more times it's he's good with characters, but I feel like that more applies to just like the story and like the way that he structures everything. Mm-hmm. Just like how everything is able to string together really nicely, you yeah. know. Everything really feels complete at the end of the day. So he's an awesome director. I love to see what he does. Um I still haven't seen everything that he's done, so I'm definitely have to go back and see other things and how they kinda compare up to. And I'm interested to see what he does, you know, in the future and like in more modern times and more modern stories. Because, I mean, definitely, like, even from 2016, like, audiences have changed and kind of expectations have changed and filmmaking has changed. It's going to go straight to VOD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cry in the corner. It's cool. It's whatever, you know. So so what are you? Are you team Bong Joon-ho or are you team Park Chung-wook? Why can't you just like both? (laughs) Decide! (laughs) can't be just black and white like that the brothers in arms <laughs> in reality the brothers in arms yeah uh yeah this is a good series but whatever are we gonna do next now i don't know what are we doing i think we need to take a break we need a huge breather okay there no was more killing and <laughs> no more killing like yeah there were jokes there was enough jokes but i feel like it's 20 percent of rightfully placed jokes 80 percent of like what the fuck was that you know what i mean <laughs> So now we're gonna we're gonna laugh. We're gonna ease our soul a bit. We're gonna go into comedy for the next series, right? So we're doing four films again for the month, and uh, I've got the lineup here. So this episode I'll give you the lineup, and we'll each watch it each week. Uh, this is the the list, the order, but we're gonna do it as well. It's not chronological, by the way. So first we got uh, Twenty, released in 2015, directed by Lee. Byung-wong. And then the second film will be Taste of Tea, released in 2004, uh, directed by Katsuhito Ishii. And then third is My Love Story from 2015, directed by uh, Hayato Koai. And then finally, we'll end with Shaolin Soccer from 2004, directed by <laughs> Stephen Chow. I know, guys, we're not doing Kung hustle, hustle, Fu Hustle. Unfortunately, it's very varied. It comedy. is. <laughs> it is definitely varied. One's like an action comedy kind of. Yeah, I guess Shaolin Soccer is a little bit there. Twenty mm. is like a. It's, uh, it's like hybrid too. Kind of, but it's more. It's like slapstick almost. But slaps. Like, yeah, yeah. I think you could throw like romance drama and romance, slapstick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All that kind of mashed All up that together. Kind of, yeah, Taste of Tea is like a. Weird comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Taste of Tea is a strange comedy. And my love story is um 
It's a manga adaptation uh, um, from of the same name, and that's a. It's very like. It's Japanese. <laughs> it's <comedy>. a very <laughs> Japanese <laughs> Japanese manga comedy. Yeah. It's definitely. I, I mean, they're all really out there, but uh. like my love story. I picked love my love story because I. This will be my second time watching. It's been a really long time, but I just remember laughing my ass off in that movie. Oh, really? And I'm like, I want to go back and be like, Is this does, still funny? Yeah, <laughs> does it still hold up? Or was I just like dumb? <laughs> Wait, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's why I really picked that one. Yeah, I think uh, having comedy will kind of help us so ease back into positivity. <laughs> before we ram you in again. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, this is a good series. This is this is a series like anybody can get into. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like comedy is definitely universal. It's one of the things that's like, I mean, you know, everybody has like different sense of humor, but I think comedy is like probably the one genre everybody's willing to give a shot. Yeah. Versus like, it's the easiest to get into. I feel like yeah. exactly, no matter what it is. So. That in action, probably. <laughs> that in action, yeah. yeah. Any like blockbuster. Kind and of if thing. you have action comedy, then <laughs> then you got yourself a multi-billion-dollar movie. Uh, but yeah, these are all good picks. Um, pretty confident here. So we're going to start off with 20, like I said. And uh, we'll see you next week to check that out. Until then, see you guys. And friendly reminder, before we go, support us on Patreon, guys. So we got some cool things. I put up a new tier list. We got some exciting things up there. We're going to have some nice exclusive content. We're going to have all the episodes on there. Um... And things in the future, we're also going to launch a Discord page for the, hopefully, community. Kind of get engaged, talk amongst each other, probably do some exciting things there as well. So check us out, Patreon, Getting Past Subtitles. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram, and also on YouTube. Anyway, guys, until next week. Peace. Peace.